Amen. Amen. If you have a Bible, open up to Acts chapter 6. Acts chapter 6. And as you're opening up there, I do want to say I hope you will all uh, choose to get involved in a training you class on Wednesday nights. Now's a good time to come to our uh, ministry partners have been sharing with us. They're doing a phenomenal job with that. But later in February, uh, we'll have several classes you can get involved in. And that's an opportunity, as we like to say, to go deeper uh, in the Bible, to go deeper in the Word, to go deeper in your discipleship on Wednesday nights. So I hope you'll get involved with that. Well, if you have uh, uh, your Bible open there to Acts chapter 6, verses 1 through 7, I want to invite you to stand with me out of reverence for the re- reading of the words... Of God. It's page 914 in the Pew Bible, if you uh, need that. The author of Acts writes under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit in such a way that as the words on this page are being read, God Himself speaking to us. Beginning verse 1. Now, in these days when the disciples were increasing in number, a complaint by the Hellenists arose against the Hebrews because their widows were being neglected in the daily distribution. And the twelve summoned the full number of the disciples and said, It is not right that we should give up preaching the word of God to serve tables. Therefore, brothers, pick out from among you seven men of good repute, full of the spirit and of wisdom, whom we will appoint to this duty. But we will devote ourselves to prayer and to the ministry of the word. And what they said pleased the whole gathering, and they chose Stephen, a man full of faith and of the Holy Spirit, and Philip, and Prochorus, and Nicanor, and Timon, and Parmenas, and Nicolaus, a proselyte of Antioch. Then these they set before the apostles, and they prayed and laid their hands on them. And the word of God continued to increase. And the number of the disciples multiplied greatly in Jerusalem, and a great many of the priests became obedient to the faith. Let's pray together. Oh God, thank you for the opportunity we have to learn uh, about these deacons who served you in the first church, in the earliest church. And God, thank you for the deacons who serve you today. Open our hearts and minds to receive your word. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. Simply put, I was shocked, stunned at my first deacon's meeting. I was a new pastor, never um, been to a deacon's meeting before as the pastor, and so there I was. I never dreamed, I mean, I was shell-shocked. I never dreamed there would be so much shouting, as much shouting as there was, my first deacon's meeting. Now, it was because they couldn't hear, but still... It was a shock. My first deacon's meeting was me and three deacons, three dear brothers who served Sunnyside Baptist Church so faithfully. Two of those three brothers are now with the Lord. But I learned so much from those three men about what it means to be a faithful deacon, what it means to faithfully serve the people of God. I learned from them. And the same has been true here at First Baptist. My earliest deacons' meetings up till even today. I've learned so much about what it means to faithfully serve the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. Let me put it like this. We're blessed in this way, but every church is blessed. 
when their deacons see this reality. Deacons are set apart to serve. Deacons are set apart to serve. Let me put it this way. Simply put, a call to ministry is a call to serve. And make no mistake, deacons are called by God to ministry. We talk a lot about me being called to ministry, or Woody, or Lydia and Cole, or Nathan, us being called to ministry because we serve in a vocational way on the church staff. But what deacons do is no less ministry than what we do here in the Lord's church. So I think it's so important for us to remember, to know, to recognize that deacons are set apart to serve. So this morning, I want you to see uh, five points about what it means for deacons to serve. Five points about what it means for deacons to be set apart to serve. What deacon ministry looks like. Five reasons why deacons are set apart. Here's the first. Deacons are set apart to serve for unity. Deacons are set apart to serve for unity. Now I want you to see what happens here in verse 1. Now in these days, Acts chapter 6, verse 1. Now in these days, when the disciples were increasing in number a complaint by the Hellenists arose against the Hebrews because their widows were being neglected in the daily distribution. The church isn't even six chapters old yet, and there's already a complaint. Okay, So, no, even then, things weren't perfect. Even then, things weren't always ideal naturally. I want you to notice something about this complaint. Remember this, not all complaints are necessarily complaining. Right? It's not that they were griping. This was a legitimate complaint that came to the apostles. So at this point, it seems like this early church here, they are serving as the pastors of the first church. But notice something about this complaint. The group that brings the complaint are the Hellenists, the Gentiles, those who are of Greek or Roman or whatever, other origin. They're, they're those who speak Greek but are not Jewish. And they're complaining against the Hebrews, the Jews. And what are they saying? They're saying that Greek widows are not receiving in the same way the daily distribution. That is, this is part of what the early church did, is they would help serve the widows in the church who, because of their vulnerability and the loss of their husband, didn't have enough. So they're helping serve these widows by giving them food daily, serving them. And in doing so, it seems like, we don't know if it's a language barrier. It seems to be an indication because if you read the list of the first seven deacons, they all have Greek names. So it seems like the, the disciples were really shrewd, the apostles were shrewd and wise in appointing Greeks to this role originally for the sake of unity. Maybe it was a language barrier. We, we don't think necessarily, we don't have to assume it was some sort of a prejudice that the Jewish people had against the, the Gentiles. But all, the, all that being said, this was a unity issue. Think about this. This has potential to destroy the church. We will see elsewhere where there is a factor where racial issues come into play. And I don't mean identical to the ones we deal with in our own society now. But nonetheless, the, the idea that these are people from two different races and originally two different religions are now together in one church can cause a lot of problems. And so a rift along a Greek or Gentile and Jewish divide could, could really spell disaster for the early church. And so the first deacons were selected for the sake of unity. 
selected for the sake of unity. I don't know that there's anything in the Lord's church in terms of our corporate witness, in terms of the functioning of the church, in terms of our ability to lead people to Jesus, in terms of just everything it means to be a church. I'm not sure there's one factor matters more than unity in the Lord's church. You might have heard me say this before. I, I tell our staff, I tell people who I talk to when I get a chance every now and again, I say, I'm the chief unity officer First Baptist Church of Gadsden. I mean, I just spend a lot of time thinking about how to foster, cultivate, and keep unity in the Lord's church. I think a lot about this different groups, different people, and how their personalities are going to interact, how things will be perceived, because we want to make sure that the church stays unified. We can't only avoid disunity in the Lord's church. That's important. We want to try hard not to go toward disunity. We want to try to avoid it all we can, but that's not enough. We have to actively seek unity. And it's our deacon, part of our deacon's job description is to help seek unity in the Lord's church. Church, when you vote for your deacons, I want you to think about who's going to help unify the church. Brothers who are deacons, who've been set apart in this way, one thing I want you to think about, keep an eye on, work on, is how can we make sure the church stays unified? I want to encourage all of our deacons here in our church, our whole church, consider unity all the time. How can I contribute to the unity of the Lord's church. So deacons are set apart to serve for unity, but second of all, deacons are set apart to serve by the church. By the church. Now I want you to see something about the way business is handled in the early church. Do you guys see this? Pastors, the twelve, the apostles, who seems like are functioning as the pastors here in the early church. There's one church at this point. And the twelve summoned the full number of the disciples. That's the whole church, the congregation. And they said, It is not right that we should give up preaching the word of God to serve tables. Therefore, brothers, pick out from among you seven men of good repute, full of the Spirit and of wisdom, whom we will appoint to this duty. So the pastors, or the apostles, they look and they see an issue. They, they see a burden on the church, and one, that they will have to stop the course, the ongoing course of their pastoral ministry. They're going to have to put pause on that, on the preaching of the Word, on the day, day-to-day of prayer, on what it means to lead the church faithfully and proclaim the gospel faithfully. They're taking time away from that to go and handle this practical concern. It's not that it's not important. They just say, look, we have to prioritize here. And we need to hand this off. So they go to the congregation, and they bring the congregation together, and they say, okay, church, okay, all of you who are disciples, pick out for you seven men. Now, this is leadership, right? They don't come and say, how many do y'all think we need? Not that there'd be anything wrong with doing that, but that's not necessary. They come and they say, pick out for yourself seven. We think this will do the trick. And you appoint them to this task and we'll set them aside to do the work that needs to be done. So I think what you see happening here is a properly functioning church, a, a New Testament model church. And I think it's important for us to remember here, First Baptist Church, that at the end of the day, we are a congregationally ruled church. Under the Lordship of Christ, we are led by pastors. And here you can see pastors taking the initiative, taking the lead, but not dominating. We're served by deacons. That's who's being appointed out. These seven men are being appointed as deacons, as servants to do this. We now are also, furthermore, organized by 
committees. Now, we don't see really a lot of committees necessarily in the Bible, but we do see different people over time appointed in different roles and serving in different ways. And so here in our church as a function of the congregation, because we can't come together to make every decision, we have committees that serve us when we can't all come together as one. But the final authority in the congregation is the congregation under the lordship of Jesus Christ. It's your right and prerogative to call pastors. It's your right and prerogative, if I were to ever disqualify myself from ministry, to dismiss uh, pastors. It's your right and prerogative to elect deacons. It's your right and prerogative to establish and to, to uh, populate committees. It's your right and prerogative to do what you feel like you should do under the lordship of Jesus Christ according to your conscience by the word of God. That's what our church does. And so you'll notice I don't ever use the word board. We talk about the deacon board or this board or that board. Um, my, my joke is I think the only board a church should have is floorboards because I don't think the New Testament shows a picture where there's a singular group running or dominating the church. Now, every church board's not a bad board, and every church board's not dominating the church, and we have to organize some way, so I'm, I'm not trying to be uh, ungracious to those churches who who run their church in a different way. But I do really feel like, in all sincerity, that when we look together and we see our groups here as a committee or as a body, instead of as a board, we continually give honor to what the Lord gives honor to, and that's the congregational rule of the Lord's church. We do have bodies who have certain authority, but it's on behalf of the congregation, not over the congregation. In the same way, is true. the same thing is true of our pastors. We're called to lead the congregation, but we're appointed by the congregation and we lead alongside the congregation, not over. We don't lord our authority, what authority we've been given by the Lord and by the church. We don't lord it over the congregation. Church, in other words, this body of deacons, they're your deacons. You set them apart. You hold them accountable. They serve among you. And you have appointed them to this task. And I wanted to make sure that, as we already have, and as I hope we always will, we take the task seriously. It's not a popularity contest. It's not a way to just see who's best among us or anything like that. No, we are setting them apart for a purpose. Deacons are set apart for unity. They're set apart by the church. And third of all, deacons are set apart to serve, to ease burdens. All sorts of challenges, issues, and burdens arise in the life of the church. Here we see there's a dispute among how the daily distribution of food is being handled. And notice how the apostles talk about this, how the pastors this church talk about this. Pick out from among you seven men of good repute, full of the spirit and of wisdom, whom we will appoint to this duty. But we, the pastors, we will devote ourselves to prayer and to the ministry of the word. And what they said pleased the whole gathering, okay, and... Um, if you please the whole gathering, it's clearly not a Baptist church. But they chose Stephen. I'm just kidding. They, they chose Stephen, a man full of faith and of the Holy Spirit, and Philip, and Prochorus, and Nicanor, and Timon, and Parmenas, and Nicolaus, a proselyte of Antioch. And then they prayed for them and laid their hands for them. Do you see what they're doing here? They're here to ease the burden of the Lord's church. We're a growing church by, by God's grace. And so our deacons are set apart to serve to help ease the burdens of that growth. There's one way, multiple ways deacons do this. They, they do it through care and thoughtfulness for the sick and suffering. It is impossible for me and our ministerial staff 
to give all the care needed in the Lord's church here at First Baptist Gadsden. Now listen, I never want to get out of the people business. So long as I'm in ministry, I never want to stop loving and serving people. And I hope uh, till the day I retire, I'm still doing hospital visits and able to do those sorts of things. But my goodness, I can't do all of them. There's no way. You're not going to get the love and care uh, you deserve. Um, I would say, and the sermons will be five minutes every week. I'm afraid you all vote to lay off all the staff and the deacons too. If it's a promise of a five-minute sermon. No, I mean, what do we do? We recognize that, that. We have a lot of facilities we accommodate here. We have a great house and grounds committee, but our deacons are meant also to help us ease the burden of the facilities, help think through these things, to focus on these things, to work on these things. Uh, several years ago, our deacons led the charge in helping our church be more secure, to help lead uh, security, to get the things we need for security. They, they are meant then also to help us care for the widows. That's why each of our deacons receive certain families, and they help care for those all throughout. They give support to our pastors in tons of different ways by giving wisdom, and they help lead the church through their wisdom. There's all sorts of ways that our deacons help ease the burden of the Lord's church. And so those of you who are called to be a deacon, that's one thing you can do. Is think through, how can I ease the burden of the Lord's church? Not just the pastoral burden, but the whole burden of the church. Let me say a word about this too as we grow. Uh, the care that people need in the Christian community that people need won't be served certainly by our pastors and ministerial staff alone, but it also won't be served by our pastors and our deacons alone. It's going to take all of us, and, and you guys do this so well, but it's something to remember. It's going to take all of us loving and serving each other well to care for and create the kind of Christian community that we need, especially as we grow. Deacons are set apart to serve. They're set apart to serve for unity. They're set apart to serve by the church. They're set apart to serve to ease burdens. And fourth of all, deacons are set apart to serve with godliness. With godliness. Do you see the parameters that the apostles gave them? Later, uh, Paul writes to Timothy to tell him uh, to clarify the requirements for being a deacon. I would encourage you to go read those when you get the chance. But here is a, a shorthand version of the sort of godliness that's required. I think you can see it in verse 3. Pick out from among you seven men of good repute, well thought of by outsiders, is the way Paul talks about it later, good repute, full of the Spirit and of wisdom, whom we will appoint to this duty. And in verse 6, it says, These they set before the apostles, and they prayed and laid their hands on them. These men were set apart, and they're set apart to serve with godliness. You see, we don't, we don't elect our deacons. We don't choose our deacons according to the world's standards. We choose our deacons according to God's standards. I love the biblical requirements for pastors and deacons. Um, we would do well to read over those more often. I would encourage you to read through those every year before our elections. And I think what you'll be, I would encourage those of you who feel like you can't serve in these roles, that you're not good enough to serve in any of these roles, that God would never want you to serve, go read the requirements. And you might be surprised. I think we tend to think, I think we tend to think that God's requirements for pastors and deacons are that they be super spiritual supermen, like me. And so, no, I'm just kidding. That they be super spiritual supermen, right? No, I mean, you can ask my wife. That's not, that's not what I am. I'm not perfect. God's requirements aren't perfect. They're basic Christian faithfulness. If you read the requirements for pastors and deacons, it's really a list of things that every Christian should aspire to, that all of us should desire uh, to live in this way. 
And so let me encourage you, don't sit back and wait for some higher life to come before you serve the Lord. Get busy serving the Lord now with the gifts He's given you and the godliness He's given you. Don't sit back and wait on a title to serve the Lord. Get busy now. If you're sitting there thinking, I'd love to serve the Lord as a deacon one day, I wonder uh, if, I, I guess I'll get busy doing that once somebody asks me to. Don't wait for somebody to ask. Serve the Lord. And uh, let me tell you, if you get busy doing the job, the title comes. It's just one reality in life. And you know what? We don't have to have a title. It's not all about the titles in the Lord's church. And if you say, this or that prevents me from serving the Lord, but I'm not a pastor or a deacon, so that doesn't matter. I'm a little lower on the totem pole than those guys, so I don't really have to live that sort of godly life. Remember this, you're a Christian. It's the most important title in my life. Way before I'm a pastor, way before I'm a father, way before I'm a husband, way before I'm any of those things, I'm a Christian. And my first duty to the Lord and my primary duty to the Lord is not as a pastor. My primary duty to the Lord is as a Christian. Brother Deacons, your first duty to the Lord is not as a deacon, it is as a Christian. And for those of you who aren't living a life that reflects the Scriptures, you might say, I'm not a deacon or a pastor, so it doesn't matter. If you are a Christian, it matters. Aspire to be as much as you can be for the Lord, to serve the Lord in the highest capacity He will allow. We should all aspire to the sort of godly life that is described in the Bible for pastors and deacons. It's a good way to live. I'm thankful to have a little extra accountability, a little extra guardrail in my life because my vocation happens to require that I meet these requirements. But I want to encourage you, if you're a Christian, to say, I want to live the sort of godly life that allows me to serve in any way God would see fit. God doesn't only want to use people with titles to serve Him. Just remember that, church. The Lord's church would go belly up really fast if God only used people with titles to serve Him. So I want to encourage all of us to let this challenge and call to our deacons to be a challenge and call to all of us to serve Him with gladness. Deacons are set apart to serve for unity. They're set apart to serve by the church. They're set apart to serve to ease burdens. They're set set aside to serve with godliness. And finally, deacons are set apart to serve for the sake of church health, for the health of the Lord's church. I love verse 7. After these men were set aside and set before the apostles, they prayed for them, they laid their hands on them, and the word of God continued to increase. And the number of the disciples multiplied greatly in Jerusalem, and a great many of the priests became obedient to the faith. What do deacons do? Deacons are set apart to serve church health, and church health looks like this. The word of God increases. Deacons help the word increase. That is, deacons serve the discipleship needs of the church. Oftentimes in churches, they, we get the wrong idea. We think the pastors are supposed to really focus on the discipleship, the spiritual things, and the deacons handle all the practical stuff. And what you wind up with is groups that can be overly concerned with one aspect of the church. What we have to remember is that we are all rowing the same boat in the same direction. And all of these things matter. The practical concerns, the spiritual concerns, all these things matter. And they're all important. And our deacons are here to help us grow in discipleship, to help us be a healthy church. That's what we're focused toward. 
And these disciples, not only did the, the word of God increase, but then the disciples began to multiply. That is, people are coming to know the Lord. People get to know Jesus. And so deacons are meant to help not only the word increase, but also to help disciples multiply. They serve discipleship. They serve evangelism. And deacons help amazing things happen in the Lord's church. This is one of many little miraculous asides in the book of Acts. And a great many of the priests became obedient to the faith. That's an aside there that lets us know that those that are most steeped and most uh, entrenched in, for example, Judaism here, are coming to know the Lord. And you see little asides like this and stories like this in Acts that show that there are all sorts of people coming to faith in Jesus. That is amazing and supernatural things happen in the Lord's church. Priests begin to get saved. Some of us read the book of Acts and we get discouraged. So why don't I wish more special and spectacular things happened in the Lord's church. What should we do to make that change? Here's the thing. Let me tell you all this. We don't need anything special or spectacular to see special or spectacular things happen in the Lord's church. It's designed. The design of the church is to see amazing things happen. Two things. First of all, I think sometimes we forget the miracle that we see all the time. Is it not a miracle when a child comes to know the Lord? We see it all the time. It's a miracle that there's a church right here in downtown Gadsden that's bearing gospel fruit, has been for 160-something years, and will continue God, by God's grace for years and years and years to come. What a miracle that is. We don't want to miss that. The Word of God is going forth. But I want you to know this. Churches are simply designed to see amazing things happen. So what we ought to do is continue to do things the way God told us to do things and allow Him to bring the fruit. That's what we do. You want to see miracles happen at your church? Bring in pastors. Preach the Word. Appoint godly deacons. Keep doing church according to the Bible. And amazing things will happen over time. We just trust the Lord. Keep doing it, and He will bring the fruit when it's time to bring the fruit if we continue to act as the body of Christ. I'm going to be honest with you all. I am shocked at every single deacon's meeting. Every deacon's meeting. Not just the first one. I had another one today, and I'm shocked again. I'm always amazed by the unity and the love that I get to share with our deacons. I I'm amazed by the way that God has given us a united deacon body that works together closely with our church staff, with our pastors and others to help make sure our church is healthy and moving in the right direction. I'm amazed by how faithful God is to his church through those who are set set apart to serve. I I guess I really shouldn't be, though, because it's the Lord's church. It's not my church, not our church, ultimately. Ultimately, it's the Lord's church. And so let's continue to honor God by setting those apart who will serve our unity, by setting those apart who will serve the church, by setting those apart who will ease the burdens of ministry, by setting those apart who will serve with godliness. And as we do so, as we continue to do church according to the Lord's will, I believe with all my heart God is faithful and He will continue to see to it that our church is healthy, that our church continues to bear fruit, that our church will continue to be a gospel engine where all these things come together and combust into gospel fruit in Etowah County and beyond. Oh God, may it be so. Oh Lord, would you continue to grow our church in health, in unity, in love, in evangelism, in the things that matter most. Oh God, may it be so. I want to offer an invitation this morning. If you've never put your trust and faith in Jesus, you say, you know, I I would love to serve the Lord, but I don't know Him yet. (laughs) 
I'd love to serve the Lord more, but I, I've never put my trust and faith in Him. You come talk to me this morning if you need someone to talk to, or you can stay right where you are, and you can turn from your sins in repentance. You can turn to God in faith through Jesus, and you will be saved. Second of all, uh, you may be a believer, and you say, Pastor, I just need to grow in godliness, and I, I'm wondering if you would pray with me. Or right where you are, you may need to make a decision. I, I'm, I'm going to serve the Lord. I, I'm going I'm to be there when I'm called on to serve, and I want to be ready for that. I'm going to move in that direction. If you need someone to talk to you, come talk to me, or you do business right where you are. Finally, you may be looking for a church home. Listen, we're not a perfect church, but I tell you, we are passionate about being a healthy church. And so if you feel God leading you to be a part of the fellowship here at First Baptist Church of Gadsden, I want to encourage you to respond to him today. I'd love to talk to you today about what it means to be a member here at First Baptist. You can come down right now or you can catch me after the service to talk to me this morning. After this prayer, while the song is played, I want to invite you to come to the Lord's working in your heart. Let's pray together.